Hi, I'm Josh and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art and the craft and today the clothing of nature photography. It is the 19th of July 2022 and this is podcast number 47 and the topic of today's podcast is going to be shooting in cold weather part two. This is the second part of the series on how to prepare uh, when you're going to go into the field and photograph in cold weather. Um, I'll come to the topic in a moment. I just want to do a little bit of an update on a few things just before we get into that. The first of which is a few days ago, I wrapped up my Svalbard summer workshop or expedition. This was a trip that was originally scheduled to run in July of 2020, but then the pandemic saw us delayed until 2021 and then finally 2022. So it was, I'll say, an eventful expedition. It was a fantastic trip. Uh, let's get that sort of on the table straight away. But it was certainly an eventful one as well. And part of the reason for that was not just the delay uh, as a result of the pandemic, but the last minute uh, pilot strike by SAS Airlines meant that Two of my participants actually were stranded in Oslo and unable to make it to Longyearbyen in time for the departure, which was really, really unfortunate. They just could not get another flight. The only other airline that flies from Oslo to Svalbard is Norwegian. And as soon as the pilot strike was announced, pretty much every seat on Norwegian for the next following few weeks just immediately disappeared. Um, that was, I guess, to be expected, but it was very unfortunate for, for those people who were stranded and, and unable to make it. And just as an aside, that's actually one of the reasons that I strongly recommend that if you're traveling anywhere internationally, that you always take out, uh, travel insurance that includes curtailment. Uh, of course, you must have medical and evacuation insurance for any sort of ship-based expedition, but it's also a very, very good idea to have some sort of I'll say quality travel insurance that's going to pay out if you actually end up being curtailed because you really don't want to uh, travel halfway around the world and then find that you can't make the last leg of a trip. That's <laughs> extremely unfortunate. So I'll have more to say about the Svalbard expedition. I think I may just leave that for my written report, which I have almost finished now. So hopefully I'll have that up in a few days time on my blog and you'll be able to check that out. It'll be some time before I have images up from this expedition simply because I'm traveling extensively at the moment. I'm on my way from Oslo to Sweden today to uh, meet my relatives who I have not met before. So I'm quite excited about that. So it means that I'm going to be in Sweden for quite a while and uh, will not have much of a chance to do any editing or image processing. I'll just finish up on the Svalbard trip by saying that it was also memorable because it had one of the best polar bear encounters I've ever had. It was with a very, very large male polar bear up in the sea ice. Uh, it had, he had just killed a bearded seal just moments before we got there, and we were able to get some incredible photographs over many, many hours with this bear. So it was quite an extraordinary encounter. And as I said, I'll write more about that when I get around to my trip report. But let's come to the topic of today, which is going to be shooting in cold weather part two. And what I decided to do for this part two was talk purely about hands and head. So in part one, we talked about the different types of uh, clothing, whether it's active wear or non-active wear. We talked about the different types of cold. Um, we talked about different boots for different um, temperature ranges, whether it's extreme cold or not so cold. And I also talked a little bit about uh, the layering system that I like to use as well. But in this episode, we're going to talk about gloves and we're going to talk about hats. So much like uh, the first episode, the type of gloves that I will wear when I'm photographing in the cold depends a lot on the sort of temperatures that I'm going to be going into. So generally speaking, 
In temperatures uh, down to about minus 5 to minus 10 degrees, I usually don't use gloves. Uh, I just find that I have enough circul- good enough circulation in my hands that I just don't need them. Uh, and my hands tend to stay quite warm, unlike my feet. So for me, it's very, very important to keep my feet warm, as I mentioned in my last podcast. But for my hands, I seem to be able to get away with a lot more. So if it is cold enough for me to put uh, to put a pair of gloves on, and let's say it's around the minus 5 to minus 10, but extremely windy, then I might put a pair of gloves on. Uh, and in that sort of situation, usually I'm looking for a fairly thin, what they call sort of a base layer glove made of a windstopper material. So something that's going to prevent the wind going through the glove. That's the first thing because the wind will just strip the heat straight from your, straight from your hands. So you need a glove, some sort of glove that's windproof. Now, obviously, manual fine dexterity is extremely important when you're choosing a glove to wear as a photographer because we need to have a high level of dexterity, at least in our right hand, not so much in our left hand. But the right hand is the one that controls all the camera controls, so we need to be able to feel what's going on. Uh, so the choice of glove is extremely important. I have tried, I think, probably more than 50 brands of gloves over the years. I probably own at least 50 pairs of gloves. I, I have never found the right pair of gloves for every situation. It simply doesn't exist. You need to think about the environment that you're going into. Is it going to be wet or is it going to be frozen? And then how windy is it going to be? How cold is it going to be? And then choose your gloves appropriately. So I have been using over the last few years a pair of fairly thin gloves by Arcteryx that are made of windstopper material. And I find them extremely good. I've actually, I've actually just worn them out. I actually left them on the boat in Svalbard because I'd finally worn them out after quite a few years. But I find them extremely good down to about minus 15 degrees for my hands, for me personally. And I will say I'm at the extreme end of this. Most people were putting gloves on long before I do when I'm out in the cold. And that glove provides enough manual dexterity that I can easily control the camera uh, whilst keeping my hands uh, warm. Now, the material that those gloves are made from is better, I find, than just a merino wool base layer because it will stay drier as well. It's not waterproof, but it's certainly shower resistant. And that's usually all I need in sort of temperatures from five to minus five degrees. And I find that's a great solution for me. Now, there are many, many brands on the market and we just simply can't go into all the different brands of gloves. One of the most popular ones that I see on the expeditions that I do is by the Heat Company, and it's a layered glove system. So they have a base merino wool uh, glove or liner, if you like, and they have a warm overmit uh, that can actually be opened up with a zip um, so that you can have just your fingers out to control the camera. It also has uh, pockets for hand warmers as well, and I have owned three pairs of those. I find they're quite good uh, in temperatures down to about minus 25 to minus 30 degrees. After that, they're simply not warm enough. The outer down mitt is just simply not warm enough. In anything from sort of minus 5 to minus 25 degrees, I think most people would be fine with those gloves. I would. The only other thing I'd like to say about those gloves from the heat company is I haven't had great reliability with them. As I said, I'm on my third pair now. Uh, I find I've had problems with the zippers breaking, uh, I've had problems with the zippers tearing, and I've had problems with the merino liners wearing out. Now, that just may be because I'm using them an awful lot. Uh, I find that the touchscreen fingertips are very, very hit and miss. They tend to work when the glove is brand new, but after even just a few weeks of use in the field, I find that generally they, they no longer work very well. So I've got mixed feelings about these gloves. They're extremely popular. I see them all the time on the expeditions that I do. Been a lot of very good marketing uh, by some photographers out there for these gloves. And they are quite good. I just find that the reliability and durability of them is not so great. 
But it's a layered glove system is actually a very, very good solution when you get down to talking about very, very low temperatures. So again, I'll come to Ellesmere Island because I think that's a fantastic example. How do you keep your fingers and your hands warm when temperatures are getting down to sort of minus 45, minus 50 degrees? Well, the answer is it's very, very difficult, especially when you want to try and control the camera. So what I found I was doing as a solution was I was using a pair of the Heat 3 Merino wool liners, the new very thick ones that they make. So they have a couple of different models if you're going onto their website. They have one that I think they call it their Deluxe. It's the thickest one they make anyway. And it's quite quite a warm glove. It's, it's probably the equivalent to the Arcteryx glove that I was using um, made of Windstopper. I would wear those, and then over the top of those, I would wear a very, very heavy Summit down mitt. The sort of mitt that you would see a climber using uh, who's going for the summer of Everest, or the same sort of mitt you would see being used by snowmobilers in extremely cold temperatures. Now, these mitts provide absolutely no dexterity whatsoever. So what I was what I was doing was I would have my base merino wool layer on my hand, and then I would the mitt on my left hand, and then on my right hand, I would use one of the heat three mitts that allowed me to have my fingers outside. And then I would put a couple of hand warmers inside that as well. And I found that gave me enough manual dexterity that I could still control my camera, keep my left hand obviously extremely warm because all that's doing is supporting a big lens usually. But it, once my hand did get cold, which <laughs> happens quite quickly in those sort of temperatures, I could put it back inside the mitt for a few minutes and try and warm it up. I will say it's not a perfect solution. I ended up with very, very cold uh, fingers on several occasions when I was out photographing in Ellesmere Island. Um, I came very, very close to frostbite on my fingers as well. And look, part of the reason for that is, is you just can't get the level of manual dexterity you need in combination with the level of warmth that you really want to have in those sort of temperatures. So it's a compromise and it's a very difficult compromise. So what you have to do is shoot for a little bit, put the mitt back on, warm your hands back up, put them under your uh, armpits to get them warm again, and then shoot it some more. So very, very difficult to work in those kind of environments. I have several pairs of battery heated gloves that I have I've been playing around and experimenting with, but what I've been finding is they just don't provide enough manual dexterity for me personally when I'm photographing in the field. Um, I talked briefly about the lens company, LENZ, who make the battery heated socks that I love so much uh, in my last podcast. They also make battery heated gloves and they, they are a very, very good product. I say I've got several pairs of them. I just find that I struggle with the level of manual dexterity in those gloves. I know some people are using them and love them. I've had trouble with them just simply they don't provide that feel for me that I want when I'm using the camera. And I really like to be able to feel what I'm doing with my fingers. So although I own them, uh, several pairs of them, I haven't really used them that much. I find I prefer the Merino wool base layer with either the very, very heavy down mitt over the top of my left hand or a heat three mitt or some sort of mitt that I can open up on my right hand to provide that level of manual dexterity. So in summary, I guess you could say the real solution to shooting an extreme call for me when I'm working in you know those very, very cold temperatures is a different left-right-hand solution. So I'm using something on my left hand that is just all about warmth, no manual dexterity, but my right hand has the option of both. So I can put my fingers out to control the camera's shutter, the f-stop, uh, the camera controls, uh, but I can put it back in the mitt when I'm, when I'm done. Now, if I'm working in, let's say, Antarctica in the November, December period of time frame, typically temperatures are hovering around zero degrees and it often can be quite wet. And this provides, this is when you need to think more carefully about the choice of glove, because in this sort of situation, being waterproof can actually be quite important. So if I'm working from Zodiac, 
and it's raining, for example, uh, it was raining when I was up in Svalbard a few days ago, uh, I'll be using something like a pair of sealskin gloves that provide both warmth and are waterproof as well, so that I'm not getting soaking wet fingers and soaking wet hands. Because again, once you get wet, uh, if there's any wind around, you're just going to freeze very, very quickly. So the choice of glove very, very much depends on the environment that you're going into, uh, the level of dexterity that you want to have of your camera controls, whether you're going to get wet, or whether you're not going to get wet. So I will always think about this a lot, and I always pack a spare pair of gloves, just in case one pair gets wet, torn, ripped, lost, whatever the case may be. It's a very good idea to always have a spare pair of gloves. So I, those are my recommendations when it comes to gloves. I think, again, it's a very personal thing. It depends on how prone you are to feeling the cold. I know some people feel the cold in their hands uh, very, very quickly. I don't. I'm very fortunate like that. But even I do get cold hands, and that's my solution for how I how I deal with it. When it comes to protecting the, the, the body's head, we lose a lot of heat through our head. The, the body's a bit like a funnel, so it's very important to uh, try and have some sort of headgear on. And again, just like your feet and just like your hands, the environment you're going into and whether you're going to be active or not active plays a very important role in the selection of, of, of hat wear that you're going to choose. So generally speaking, most people will go with a beanie if it's if it's cold. And that's absolutely fine, and I will do exactly the same thing. Beanies come in various weights. Some are lined, some are not. I find I prefer a wool beanie that's lined. I find otherwise they get quite itchy against my head, just a personal preference. Um, but definitely I prefer the lined ones. When it gets down to extreme cold, so something like Ellesmere Island again, for example, I find a single beanie is just not enough when you're dealing with those sort of temperatures. You need to be uh, prepared uh, with, again, a layering type system. So often I would use, when I was in Ellesmere, I would use a, a beanie liner, which is very much like a thin beanie made of wool with um, a, uh, like a soft liner inside it. And then over the top of that, I would use a very, very warm fur-lined hat from a company called Fjordraven, Swedish company who also make um, jackets and pants and things like that that I use a lot as well. I'll talk, we'll talk about those more in a future podcast. I'm going to talk more about jackets and pants. I decided I had to break this up. There was just so much to it to discuss that if I did one podcast about this whole thing, it'd be three hours long. So in the end of the day, we're going to do jackets and pants in a separate podcast. But the Raven hat that I like to use in the extreme cold, I forget the name and model number of it now. If I can find it, I'll pop it in the show notes. Um, but I find that was very, very good, uh, even in the extreme cold that I encountered in Ellesmere. It kept my head warm. It kept my ears warm. Uh, it has uh, flaps that come right down around the cheeks um, and extremely warm. So the, the headwear is very, very important. As I say, it's as important as, as your feet and hands. Uh, and it's important too sometimes from the p- perspective of often I will wear a hat or a beanie, even in, in a Zodiac, for example, even if it's not that cold, simply because it provides a barrier against wind, a barrier against rain and moisture, and because the body does lose so much heat through the head, it's a great way to prevent loss of heat. Many, many jackets also, especially cold-weather jackets, also come with an insulated hood. Excuse me. So that insulated hood I use as a third potential layer. So if it's extremely cold, uh, and I've got my beanie on, I can then pull my my down hood over the top of that as well for a, to, and create a layered system as well. And if I get too warm, of course, I can push it back as well or take the beanie off. So th- that's that's my sort of approach to to my feet, to my hands, sorry, and my and keeping my head warm in cold weather environments. Uh, as I said, I think we're going to cover 
pants and jackets in a separate episode just because otherwise all these podcasts are going to get extremely long. So we'll save that for another for another episode. I'm now, we'll wrap it up there for today. I am now about to leave Oslo and drive over to Sweden. I think it's a drive of about four or five hours from where I am over to the West Coast, where I'm going to go and meet my relatives. I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping I might squeeze some photography in as well while I'm in Sweden. I have been to Sweden many, many times before, but never outside of the airport. So I'm looking forward to this quite some, uh, quite very much. Uh, so that's it for today. We will. I'll try and squeeze in another podcast, I hope, within the next week. I know it took me a little while to get this part two out. That was just as a result of all the travel to Svalbard so, and not being online, basically. So that's it for today. I'm Josh. This has been episode 47 of the Wild Nature Photography Podcast on the 19th of July, 2022. I look forward to seeing you out in the field.